1230, Russ and Daniel back with you here on ESPN.com. See, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why don't you take that trip instead? <laughs> I think I'd rather go to Paradise City versus Hobbitville, but yeah, whatever. No doubt. David Hill of ESPN.com joining us on the line. Good afternoon, sir. I hope you're doing well. I am well, gentlemen. Good to talk to you. Always, always appreciate the time. Was that selection based on the uh, big announcement of their summer tour in 2023? It was. Well, first I was watching the Daytona 500, and the 43 car was sponsored by Guns N' Roses. And I said to myself, I wonder what Guns N' Roses is selling. Uh, and then, of course, you know, a day later they announced their, their concert dates, and I'm very excited. I am, I'm going to do my best to procure some tickets to see them in Charlotte. Though, little-known fact, the Paradise City mentioned in the song it's actually making georgia very few people yeah that. that's that's actually is yeah, that that's, right <laughs> no oh my gosh daniel <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> oh well, then you got me i'm joking okay there I'm you joking. go hey uh well <laughs> <laughs> i saw what, uh, something you had on twitter uh, a day or two ago david uh talking about the the schools getting more involved in the in the name image and likeness now and and I you know I've had friends that have hypothesized this. I even wanted the same thing myself. You know, you're you're talking to the same group of people that already donate to the university. But you said that as far as the ads that you've talked to, it hasn't really affected donations to this point. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. And and actually, I think to some extent, what NIL has done is engage a new set of potential donors, particularly when you're talking to um, collectives. I mean, the, these are the ones that are being run well at this point are largely very grassroots oriented, not, you know, the same guy giving you $5 million, but a whole bunch of guys giving you $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. Um, and, and I think to some extent it is opening up more avenues to engage with donors who maybe wouldn't have been engaged before because they're not the type of people that are going to give you a half million dollars a year, a million dollars a year. So in some respects, I think it's been very good for some of these schools in terms of um, building better relationships with their alumni base in terms of donations and stuff like that. I'm not saying it hasn't happened that schools are losing out on some direct to school donations. It's certainly possible, but I probably talked to a dozen or so ADs and I have not had any of them yet tell me that, that they have firsthand seen or noticed a drop-off in their donations as a result of NIL. David, are they, when you talk to them, are they, is it still feel like chaos with this? Because that, that just feels like that every day almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, yes. The, the short answer to that is yes. And, and part of it is because everybody's playing by a different set of rules. Some schools have collectives, some don't. Um, some are very much trying to be true to what the, the ethos of NIL is. Some are fully embraced in, like, this is just a workaround to play, pay for play. Um, I have talked to agents, players, um, ADs, uh, and, uh, and some, some boosters who all seem to think that, that there is a little bit of a bubble here with NIL, too, that, that this is outside of, you know, your top programs, Ohio State, A&M, Texas, Bama, not a sustainable model because I think the the thing that has sort of gone on unsaid here is that um, it's new, right? It's the new fun toy that everybody is sort of playing with, uh, particularly at the higher levels and everybody's trying to keep up with and and adjust to, but what is the real return on investment? Like when we thought about NIL in its infancy was 
you're going to go endorse a product. They're going to get some value out of that endorsement, and they will pay you for that at value. Well, that's not how it's turned out to be, not surprisingly. Um, and I think you're, you're going to eventually see boosters say, like, well, what am I really getting out of this? Like, what is the upside to my 50 grand that I just gave you to go into your collective? Um, there's lots of dangers within that where you, you see a world in which boosters are viewing their donation as buying uh, a fantasy team that they can tell the coach, you know, you got to play this guy more or whatever. I think there's a lot of problems with that, that that administrators and coaches are concerned about. But I think the bigger thing is just like, we're going to get to a point where people say like, this isn't worth my investment anymore. And that NIL will become a little bit more of what we maybe thought it was supposed to be to begin with. Uh, And there's only going to be a handful of schools who can really maintain a collective that has, millions of dollars cash on hand. And I mean, this is one of the things that I've had a lot of administrators say to me is you hear a lot of hype about what's being paid or how much uh, revenue um, or donations that, that collectives are bringing in. And there's not necessarily a ton of evidence or truth behind that. And a lot of it might be, hey, you know, a booster has promised us $5 million over the next five years. That doesn't mean we've got that cash to pay somebody tomorrow. Um, and, and I think you saw a little bit of that with the Jaden Rashada situation at Florida. Or, I mean, yeah, and, and where, uh, you know, he's promised some things that I don't think that, that Florida was ready to deliver on. I have heard that is not entirely unique to him. Um, and then, you know, so, and some of the uh, contracts that you're hearing about with NIL, I mean, even the kid at Tennessee who was supposedly getting, you know, what was it, $8 million or something like that, like, it's not – the wording and language in that is a lot more complicated than just when he shows up, somebody's handing him a check for $8 million. So part of it is there's just a ton of misnomers about NIL as it is, because it is a very, I won't say black market, but a gray market for sure. David Hill of ESPN.com is our guest here on the program. And and David, for these donors or, or boosters or whatever you want to call them, I mean, like if I gave, 500 bucks to 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 towards a collective i mean how do i know where my money's going you don't i mean that's part of it is you don't um you may be able to have access to a zoom call with your favorite player or something like that like that's your return on investment and you've got to be okay with that um and some of it is just about like look i've heard stories where coaches have gone to the booster clubs and said like if we're not getting X, Y, and Z recruits, that's not on me. That's on you at this point. And so there is significant pressure being put on boosters to say, like, if we're getting, if, if we're going to put a winning team on the field, everybody's got to chip in. Um, you know, a little bit of it is sort of like the, uh, buying a car. It's like, well, what do I got to do to put you in this car today, right? Like, there's, there is the ticking clock part of the sales pitch. Uh, all of these things sort of play into it. I think this is part of the problem with any sort of unregulated nascent market like you don't know what you're getting you're dealing some of these agents are very good some of them are complete shady fly-by-night um you know just started doing the job yesterday type of people some of these collectives are very good some of them are terrible some of the coaches are trying to handle it well and help their players some of them are using it to just get as many players in as they can and and maybe not fulfilling what they're saying i mean this is the problem it is it is, um, you know, I don't, I don't really like the term Wild West because it tends to suggest that, that something really nefarious is happening. I don't know that that's the case. I just know that there's not a whole lot of rules right now, and so everybody's kind of doing, whatever, doing it the way they want. David, on the field, um, Glenn Schumann's interviewing with the Eagles. What would that do to Georgia? Or does, or does Kirby just look down the hall and say, hey, Will, you're the D.C. now? 
That would be my guess. Um, and, and frankly, um, this is, uh, we talked about this a little bit, I guess, last week or the week before. I mean, this is the challenge, right? When you're super successful, uh, people are going to come and want to take your guys. And, and, you know, with the transfer portal and NIL, we're talking about players leaving. But um, this has always been the case with assistant coaches. And, it, and Nick Saban has, has threaded this needle so perfectly and I think there's there's probably a good case to be made that Kirby is in a good position to do it too. But you know there's there's stages of success, right? And and um, you know the 2017 season and and the immediate thereafter was the first stage of success for Kirby and George of like, all right, we've gotten near the mountaintop. How do we get over the hump? And then they did that, and then they did it again. But now you're, you're seeing this point where like. All right, like we got to replace our quarterback, we got to replace our offensive coordinator, we might have to replace a defensive coordinator. Like all of these jobs are new levels of building success, and this is why what Alabama and Nick Saban have done is so remarkable because it's just hard to keep climbing that mountain when there's more and more people pulling you back down at every stage or cop- copying what you're doing or hiring your people. Um, it's a tough job, I think. Though that the fact that Kirby watched Nick Saban do it for so long puts him in a particularly good position to be able to replicate it. And, and there's not a lack of talent, and there's certainly not a lack of budget for Georgia to hire whomever they want. But I do think that, that um, and certainly I think it showed this with the Bobo uh, hire, is that there is something to be said for maintaining some status quo, for, for keeping guys who understand your vision, that you communicate with well, all of that stuff. And I think some of the, the, the fraying around the edges we've seen at Alabama is, a lot of the massive staff turnover starting to catch up a little bit um, with, with, with Saban. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I say all the time, like, I think Georgia is probably going to keep winning a whole lot of football games because they keep getting the best players. Like, that's, that's the bottom line on everything. But there's ancillary issues, and, and this will be a hurdle if that's another one for them to have to jump through. Good stuff. David Hill of ESPN.com has been our guest. David, always, always appreciate the time, man. Take care. My pleasure, guys.